the first time I saw that video, I felt like crying. And I was like, am I, am I normal? Is this normal? Why am I crying? I have no idea what this video is about, but there's something powerful about that video. And at the very end of it, it says, you know, you're, you're not far, right? When you think about just those words, and every time I watch that video, and, and maybe, maybe it's just me, maybe everyone listening in today is like, nope, don't feel that. Well, maybe the next time you see me, you can just tell me, it's just you. But I don't think it's just you. My wife one day, the second week we were watching that video, and she said, I, I don't know why this video makes me so e- emotional. There's something about like that face, and there, there's a subtle face of, of pain, and that, that subtle face of like wondering, and that subtle face of like, and then the, the rain coming down, the music, something about that video. I don't know what opposition they're facing, but I feel like punching that opposition in the face, right? But at the end of it, you're not far. In reality, sometimes we are far off. We are a long ways off. And today is about not quitting. Do not quit. So no matter where you are, I don't know if you're live listening in, maybe you're cutting up something in the kitchen, getting ready for lunch today, or like me, sometimes I listen to like past sermons and podcasts in the gym. Maybe you're working out. I don't care where you are, what you're doing. Maybe you're driving down the road listening to this, okay? I want you to say this with me. And go ahead, say it out loud. Let the people around you in the gym, or maybe the kiddos in the, that are in the other room, saying, what's mom talking about? Listen, what's the, who's dad talking to? Just say these two words, all right? Say, don't quit. Just say it out loud. Don't quit. Maybe even put your name in front of it, all right? Jason, don't quit. Because quitting is easy, and finishing is hard. Why is quitting so easy? Not just is this easy to talk about from a kid illustration standpoint, but it's so easy to talk about quitting because when, especially for me as having two young boys, the moment we face opposition, we want to turn the course. So maybe we don't quit. And so yesterday, of course, me doing a foolish thing and there was an issue with the battery. I was riding with some friends and and there was an issue with the battery and the plug and I go down like, I know this thing's going to be hot, but I'm going to touch it to see if this this cable's wrong. I know it's going to be hot. And of course, it burns my finger. You can't see it, but I have a you know, mark on my finger. The moment we face opposition, we react. And when something's really hard, one of the easiest routes to take is to quit, is to not do it any longer. It's easy to quit because when we don't like something or we lose our sense of purpose or we lose our why or we don't even know the end result, it's just easy to quit. It's just easy to quit. And if you're like me, everyone in some way can find the pain of quitting. Maybe for you, one of your biggest regrets is quitting. And giving up. Or maybe when you are doing something growing up and, and your parents didn't let you quit and you wanted to quit. There's this value of like persevering and, and finishing what you started. We, we know the pain of quitting, don't we? But it's easy. It's so easy to quit. But finishing is hard, isn't it? Finishing is hard because it, require, it requires this perseverance. It requires a grit. And I love looking up the definition of grit, right? Because it's something that uh, we've been saying recently, right? In culture, you hear the word grit a lot. There's books written about it, articles, TED Talks, right? What does it look like to have grit? And this is like a tenacious courage and a resolve that basically says internally, no matter what happens to me, I will not quit. Like how do we, how do we grow into a courageous man? a courageous woman? How do we increase the grit muscle? How do we get to a point to where no matter what happens, I will not give up? There's five domains that I really wrote down this this week. Five areas of life that really require this grit. I think you'll connect. The first one's faith. And maybe you are exploring faith today. 
some people have given up faith and they've quit on faith even before even trying. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you're listening in. You're like, I'm, I'm listening to you, but I have not given myself fully to God. I have not trusted this Christian faith yet. But even those that do, even those that do choose faith and they start to follow Jesus, they still face opposition, right? Because we're, we live in a fallen world that's broken, that's hard, that's challenging, that's difficult. And I have talked to many people who have strong faith who want to quit. Maybe they give up on God. How could good things or how could bad things happen to good people? Or I've prayed to God. I've asked God for help in this area. He hasn't done it. Like it's easy to quit. So faith is the first domain. The second one's family. I mean, in some ways, need I say more? I don't know if this is, when, when I say family, it's easy to quit on family. Maybe your mind goes to your spouse. Maybe the marriage is in trouble or in shambles, or maybe it's not the conversation you have, but the lack of conversation you have. Maybe the relationship is broken and it's not there. Maybe it's extended family. Literally, I've talked to folks that have said, I've quit on my siblings. I haven't talked to them in years. It's easy to quit not only on your parents because of the pressure and the, the expectations, spoken and unspoken, that they place on you, but it's even easy to quit on your children. It's easy to quit on your children and have this mentality that says, you know what, fine, do what you want, right? You're a grown man, you're a grown woman, whatever, and you give up. It's easy to, to give up on family. Third one's work. In the work environment, digital or not, there's people involved in work, so it's easy to give up on work. It's easy to give up on work when there's misaligned expectations. It's easy to give up on work when the communication is poor or non-existent. It's easy to give up on work when your employers or your 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 colleagues talk about you, but not ever to you, right? It's easy to give up on work when the environment is tense. It's easy to give up on work, let's just be real, when you actually don't like your job. You don't have your purpose of why. Work is easy to quit. The fourth one's health. Now, it's easy on January 1st, right? Because we have these grand visions of like the new me, right? The, the, the new you, right? And so it's easy to give up on health because this requires grit and perseverance and dedication and diligence day after day. Going to the gym on January 2nd is a little bit harder than January 1st. Forget about July the 2nd, right? But it's hard. It's easy to give up on health, right? Because it's easier, all fingers pointed to me, 1030 at night to go right to the uh, pantry, right, in 1045 and 11, 1115, 11.30. My wife wakes up in the morning. She's like, what is this mess? You're orderly all day long, and then you just leave a mess all over. Like, this is my nighttime snacks, right? It's just easy. It's easier to just eat what you want, do what you want, rather than be diligent on health. And the final domain that I've thought about this week is just people in general. This is where cynicism comes from, where frustration comes from, or a lack of patience. It's easy to quit on people. Okay, by way of confession, I don't know if someone's in the room with you or if you're listening in, just raise your hand and just say, yep, that's me. Something, if, if you want to have wanted to give up on people in 2020. Anybody? I think so. Not just in 2020, but like 2019, 2018. It's easy to give up on people because we get frustrated. And some of you, even, even to be more specific, it's easy to give up on yourself. This is where it gets really difficult, where it gets really heavy, and where it can even get dark. To you give up on you. And this is where thoughts of suicide and suicidal actions and depression and the list goes on and loneliness. And, and will you give up on not just these domains of faith, of family, work, health, and people in general, but sometimes we even give up on ourselves. You know what we need? 
And you know what I hope that you get today, by the end of our time together? I hope that your why changes. I think what we need today and what you need today and what, what I need to do, and I wrote down four areas of my life this week that this coming Friday, I'm going to spend all day long this coming Friday working on these areas because I want to adjust my why. I'm not going to tell you my areas, but I want you to write down your areas. Our why needs to change. If you lose the why in your relationship, you lose purpose. And if you lose purpose, you'll lose the determination and the perseverance and the grit required to make that relationship better. If you lose the why in the workplace, the purpose, you can lose energy and and grit and stamina and perseverance to to work through those issues. If you lose the why in your health, you go back to the pantry and grab the ice cream again. In one moment in my relationship with Rachel, I said, Rachel, don't buy any more ice cream at the store. She stopped in her tracks. She looked at me. She's like, what? Really? You're saying don't buy ice cream? Because I know my weakness. And so now I just go buy the ice cream, right? We make that very easy, right? She used to buy the ice cream. Now I just go buy it. But I try to limit that to like, you know, two or three times a week, you know. Started a really good pattern growing up. I used to have ice cream all the time. And I love ice cream. But like, if we lose our why in health, if we lose our purpose, if we lose the desire for me, a big why is to live a long life and to, and to give God my very best in the health. Losing the why loses our purpose. If we lose our purpose... The wheels come off. Just the wheels come off. We have to change our why. This past week, in reading a devotion uh, with the kids, we have this amazing book. I believe the title is God's Amazing Creatures. If you look it up, I think it's a, it's a great read. It takes like two minutes, okay? Moms, dads, you could sit at the dinner table and do this. You could do this um, in the evening before bedtime or some, you know, in the mornings. I like to do this before Rachel and the boys start their school up. God's Amazing Creatures. And this past week was on the... Uh, Emperor Penguin. It was just fascinating. And I remember Pastor Chris actually using a similar illustration several years ago in a different context. But the Emperor Penguin, I remember reading this week. And I, I, listen, I look forward to God's Amazing Creatures, reading that book just as much as the kids. In fact, Levi came down one morning a few weeks ago, and I'm reading the book. And Levi's like, Dad, I got my Bible right here, and I got God's Amazing Creatures right here. And Levi looks at me and says, Dad, isn't that a kid's book? I'm like, yeah, man. You're judging me, right? This is an amazing book. And it was about the emperor penguin. And it was the the fascinating part of the reproduction process. Well, the book wasn't actually about the reproduction process, but it was actually about what happens next. The male emperor penguin carries the egg for 60 days. And, of course, in the cold climate, it's critical to do what with that egg? Keep it warm. And so the male penguin protects that emperor egg for 60 days, tucks it away right right above his feet, keeping the bottom warm. And inside that little pouch, that little skin that God gave them to just keep it warm for 60 days. In fact, most emperor penguins lose one-third. Listen to this now, okay? One-third of their weight they lose. Why? Because they can't go diving in the ocean for fish. Like, they stop eating. Essentially, they do this fast. And But even while... The egg, before the egg comes out and before they take the egg, they can like, you know, beef up for winter. Just like a lot of creatures and animals do in different parts of the world. They beef up for winter because they will lose their food. And then, so they, they rest. And so the emperor penguin for 60 days. Now talk about understanding your why, right? And knowing your clear purpose and not letting anything stop in the way. For 60 days, the emperor penguin holds that egg very precious and keeps it warm. And what happens when the egg hatches? Then the lady comes around. Now, you ladies are listening and going, wouldn't that be nice? Listen, this whole nine-month thing, you guys don't even understand. And I hesitated. I told my wife about this illustration this morning. She's like, I said, what if I said this? She's like, nah, you shouldn't say that. 
You know, this illustration falls short, right? Because when you think about the, wait, the, the male protects us for 60 days. You ladies are like, that's not so bad. You don't even, like a woman should be up here, I realize, giving this illustration and, and trying to like communicate. But I know the illustration falls short. But listen, for 60 days that grit. I remember in fifth grade when they gave us, you know, the egg. I don't know if you, anyone relate, anyone remember having that egg that they give you and they're talking about taking care of that egg and they're talking about nurturing and caring for and they, they not only talk about, I don't actually remember if it was an illustration about penguins or whatever or about other creatures, but I remember the challenge of keeping that egg and taking it home. And I never brought that egg back safe. I never did. I'm like, this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to throw a ball, put a little egg toss, you know. Maybe we don't use the baseball, the wiffle ball. Maybe we, you know. Listen, I didn't have that diligence. I didn't have that, like, perseverance because I didn't really have my why, right? It wasn't my kid. It was just another opportunity to play ball. Knowing our why changes everything. And even in Christian, the Christian life, the Christian journey, we lose our sense of why. The author of Hebrews hits this problem and hits this nail on the head. In just a few moments, I'm going to read three verses that I really believe will transform your life the way that it has transformed mine. And maybe if you know these verses, I hope it retransforms your life. And if you've never heard these verses, I hope that you'll open your eyes and your heart and your mind and your ear to say, God, speak to me today. And that's my prayer for you, is that God use these verses to speak. Because the, the people that were reading these verses, they wanted to quit. You see, being a Christian is not easy. Being a Christian in a culture where there are not many Christians is very difficult. Being a Christian when you're the minority is difficult. In their particular context, being a Christian when the leaders, uh, even think about Nero, when you think about certain emperors and kings of the world that were not Christian, had laws against Christians. In this day, when they read this letter, Christians were being killed. Christians were being persecuted. Today in our world, this is not just 2,000 years ago, but today in our world, Christians are being persecuted and Christians are being killed. It is easy to give up on anything when it's hard. Easy. And so the author in Hebrews chapter 12 says these things as an encouragement, before we read it, as an encouragement to never give up. Say it again. You said it earlier. Say, don't quit. Don't quit. No matter where you are, what you're doing, say it. Jason, don't quit. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before Him, which is Jesus, for the joy set before Jesus, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The final verse says, Consider Jesus, consider Him, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you, and that's you, that's me at home, you, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I love the first part of this verse. It says, therefore, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Some of you can disconnect from this because you don't feel like there are other people there with you. In this context, what he is saying, listen, there are, there are men and women of faith that have gone on before you, that have eternal life, right? 
And we believe as Christians in the presence of angels. We believe as, in Christians in the presence of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is here in this place. And literally, I mean like at Encounter Church, 18 Southwest Park. We believe as Christians that if you have faith in God, that the Holy Spirit is with you. That even in, at Christmas we hear this word more than other times, Emmanuel. In the Hebrew, literally, with us is God. God is present. God is with us. He is present. Emmanuel, if you change the Hebrew slightly, can mean that God's not present, right? God is present. God is present with men and women who have faith. And so the author is saying, you are not alone. And so many of you today, because of what you're going through, you feel isolated. So many of what you're going through, you just can't tell anybody. And I get that. You, you can only trust a certain amount of people with the things that you're going through, and I understand. But you are not alone. God is real. God is present. His Holy Spirit is there. In the moments that you feel alone, it's a lie. And you're the one telling it. In the moments that you feel alone, it's a lie. And you are the one telling it. There are men and women who love you, who don't know what you're going through. But there are also men and women of faith that have lived eternally, and we believe are in the presence of God in heaven, that there are people, there are angels, and there are most of all, the presence of God is real and is near. I actually mentioned this last verse, and I thought this was a great way to end the service last week. James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. When you pursue God, you will find Him. I love the scripture that says, Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Seek, and you will find you are not alone. This is a talking sermon today because I want you to engage. You say that to yourself, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. That's his first message before he gives these three things. Here's the first one. Unload the weight. Unload the weight. The author says, run the race. Like run. Here's our analogy for the day. Running. All right? Some of you are like, I'd like to run. Others, of you, other, others are like, ah. I don't know about this. Can we change the analogy? If you want to, you can change the analogy. Find something else. Like run the race that's marked out for you. But the first thing he says is that you have to remove everything that's weighing you down. And there's two things I want to mention here. The distractions, right? The first one is the distractions. And the second one is the choices. There are things that are distracting you from running, and it's easy to stop. It's easy to, 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 to pull over, take a pit stop, and to give up. It's easy to say, you know what? I'm done with that. I'm going to try this. It's easy instead of finishing one sport, right, to try it for a month and say, I don't like it, I'm going to quit. Mom, dad says, that's fine, I don't want you to be unhappy. So you go to something else and you start a pattern. Like, it's easy to just be all over the place and just not finish. But the author here is saying, bigger than that, run the race that is marked out for you, but you have to remove and unload the weight. And the scripture here says, not just the things that distract us, but the sin that so easily entangles, is what the verse says. The sin that so easily entangles. Now this entangled is a strong illustration, isn't it? It's a strong illustration because it's literally something that would like bind your hands. And it would bind your feet. Now I don't, I don't know if you could just imagine just for a moment of the hands being bound and the feet being bound together and trying to run. But it ain't going to happen. Maybe if you had your hands bound and not your feet, well, it could happen, but you're going to look really silly. Maybe little T-Rex arms are trying to do. When you are entangled, you will not run. And the Bible says sin easily entangles. To, and to define sin, it's thoughts, attitudes, actions, right? 
thoughts, attitudes, or actions that are not pleasing to a holy God. Now, I don't want you to raise your right hand. I don't want you to raise both hands and say guilty, right? Thoughts, just thoughts. I mean, Jesus hits this. Listen, I mean, he hits this really, really strong. In the teachings of the Scripture, hey, you've heard that it was said, don't, don't murder. I tell you, if you have angry thoughts, you're guilty. Like, really? Really, Jesus? Let's read that one again, right? Because sin starts in the heart, and we're guilty. And he says, I want you to run, but sin slows you down. Like, you have thoughts, all right? If you're, if you're halfway listening in, stop what you're doing and fully listen in. You have thoughts that are slowing you down. You have an attitude that's slowing you down. I just changed this, right? I saw Levi working on pr- personal pronouns and plural pronouns, right? And, and so let me just change this this, this this week. I have thoughts that are slowing me down. I have attitudes that are slowing me down, that are sin, that are not pleasing to God. And I have actions, things that I say, things that I do that are slowing me down. He says, run the race, unload the weight. So I want to tell you, wherever you're doing, do whatever it takes. Whatever you're doing, do whatever it takes to remove and unload the weight. This is going to take some time for you. This is going to take some time for you to write it down. What's slowing me down? If you're really courageous, you could ask other people that know you and love you enough to speak the truth to you. Let me say that again. They know you and they love you enough to speak the truth to you. To you. Ask them. You see anything in my life that's slowing me down? Ah, I'm convicted. I don't even want to ask anybody this week. I'm like, Jason, you need to do that, right? I'm preaching to myself here. What would I, what would I say if I said, Rachel, is there anything you see that slowed me down? Is there any sin in my life, thoughts, attitudes, actions that are not pleasing to God? What should I do? What could I do? If someone knows you and loves you enough to speak the truth to you, buckle up. They'll tell you. It'll be hard. But do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to unload the weight. The second is to focus on the face. In the middle of this verse, if you recall just a few moments ago that we read, the verse says to fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I love this illustration, not knowing the history of racing and the traditions of racing. When you read this as a, as a Christian, as someone who has faith in God, you know, you say, you know what, that makes sense. I just want to stay focused on Jesus. But this example, this illustration goes way deeper than just keeping your eyes on Jesus, keeping your eyes on the price, because that, that does matter, thinking about the end line, thinking about the goal, thinking about the finish line. But literally, how they would have read it in this context is thinking about a race, thinking about like a, a marathon race, which is very popular. Those have been around for a long, long time. And these races that would happen that would hold honor and prestige, just like today's Boston Marathon, right? And today's many marathons and many different circuits of different races. Of, I was watching the U.S., uh, sorry, the Worldwide uh, Women's Cycling Championship a couple of days ago, profound. These ladies were booking it. And these championships hold high honor and regard for the one who's best. But what would happen at the end line of these races, in this context, of these long foot races, is when they would enter into the stadium, which would be their finish line. By the way, the Boston Half Marathon ends into a stadium. I'm going blank on it. It's near... Uh, Jamaica Plain Stadium, something some of you know if you're listening in. It ends into that stadium. Imagine ending the Boston Half Marathon or crossing the finish line of the Boston Marathon 
right there on Boylston, and there's the face, the face of a leader. I don't know who that leader would be. Maybe it's the, the, the city mayor. Maybe it's the president of the Boston Athletic Association, something, right? But imagine when they entered into the stadium, they would see the face and the leader of the land, the emperor, the governor. And what would that emperor, the governor, do? They'd stand, and they would honor the one who was won. And what would the, what would the one who was, who was actually run, won the race do? They would pay honor to the leader. And so when Jesus, when this scripture here says, run the race, it's marked out for you. Do not quit. And he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. I love it because this isn't like the emperor or the governor or the mayor. Um, This is Jesus. This is what he says. Run the race that's marked out for you. And guess who is at the finish line? It's Jesus. And you're like, well, is, is this really the case? Is the finish line for my marriage Jesus? Is the finish line for my, for my job Jesus? Is the finish line for, for my, my health? I mentioned those areas and those different areas of your life and those domains. Is, is it Jesus? I, I believe, and so many of you believe they're listening, and when we die here on this earth, that we have an opportunity to spend an eternity with God forever. And guess who you'll see? Guess who I'll see? We'll see the face of Jesus. And when we see the face of Jesus, we want to have been, I don't know how to say this, we want to come to the finish line running. We don't want to have walked or limped. We want to be running, and we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I believe that every man, every woman will stand and give an account to a God, a God who loves them. But when we come across that finish line, we want to hear, well done, husband. You know why? Because you ran hard in that marriage. Well done, wife. You ran hard. Well done, son. Well done, daughter. You ran. You did not give up. You didn't make excuses. I'm impatient at times as a dad. And let me tell you, one of the core values that I have is this not giving up mentality. I watched something the other day of uh, these famous uh, rock climbers uh, uh, climbing the face of, of El Capitan. One of the most famous rock climbing faces, no doubt, in the world, not just North America. And one of the dads of the son, who is now one of the best rock climbers in the world, said, I put my son through every hard situation I could. And when he cried, I let him. I was like, go, man. Are you a bad dad? No, you're an awesome dad. No, that's a bad dad. <laughs> Some of the stories he was talking about, I'm like, oh, my goodness, that's tough. But like, I, when I become impatient, one of my tendencies is when I hear whining or complaining. It's because I don't want it. And I whine and I complain. This isn't just me pointing fingers to my kids, but like we have to foster an environment to teach people to never give up. And if you never face opposition, then you will give up when you face it. But if you face opposition and overcome, it starts this incredible new pattern, right? And it's easy to quit. But I'm telling you, don't quit. Don't quit. No matter what you're facing, do not quit. Don't give up on people. Don't give up on... And I'm not telling you there's not a time and a space to change your environment. I'm not telling you there's not a time and a space to change your job. I'm not telling you there's not a time and a space to move to a different location, okay? I'm not answering, I'm not telling you that your next move is the wrong move and that it gets you quitting. That's between you and, and God. And I think you should seek wise counsel. And what I'm telling you is in the face of opposition, your lead foot can't be to quit. And the author here says, fix your eyes on Jesus because when you run, you're running towards him. Fix your eyes on Jesus because when you run and you run towards him and you cross that finish line, there's only going to be one face that matters, and it's his. And if we don't have a face to run to, we'll quit. If you don't have a why, you'll quit. 
just eight days ago, I did an endurance race that I was scheduled to do an Ironman, a full Ironman race in Cambridge, Maryland. Of course, due to COVID, it was canceled and postponed. And I said, I haven't put in this training to wait another 13 months or 12 months. I'm just going to do it. And so many of you um, know, probably through social media, that I did an Ironman just eight days ago. And I had this thought, because I was actually thinking about this scripture, I had this thought of just wanting to be at the finish line. Could you imagine, right? I'm on the bike for a very long time, and I'm like, I, I'm ready to go home, right? And I, especially when I got off the bike, and so, some of you that may not be familiar, the distances are 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike, and then you run a marathon. Well, about mile 90 on the bike, I'm like, I am not going to run a marathon. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. This is a bad idea, right? And I just had this thought of just wanting to be done. And, and that's part of your grit that, like, pushes you and that makes you want to, to be done is because you don't want the pain any longer, right? And our natural bent to pain is to stop it, right? The words of Aaron Daniels, a good buddy of mine, and, and uh, we have this Marco Polo group going on because a group of us guys, we're going to do this Ironman race together. And he's not doing the Ironman race, not to call you out, Aaron, I love you. But Aaron said, hey, I got the solution to your pain, stop running. Of course, he's a physical therapist, right? He goes, I have your answer. Stop running, right? There's your answer to your pain. And so many of you are like, yeah, that's me. Uh-huh. I don't want that pain. Why do it? But you know what I thought about during the run? And Lisa Grant, I had the joy of, of four people jumping in to run with me. Lisa Grant ran with me, Sam Mooneyham, Mark Frisella, and then my wife, Rachel, ran the last four miles with me. And Lisa, around mile 12, she said, hey, um, I know your kids are looking forward to seeing you at the finish line. And we got a little something, a little special surprise for you. I was like, oh, that's cool. And all I could think of is, I wonder what they're doing. And thinking of the finish line, not, not just taking a shower and eating some pizza and going to sleep, but thinking about that finish line will drive you to not quit. And I'm like, I can't quit. Could you imagine the embarrassment? My wife that morning said, I'm taking over your social media. I don't post much on social media. And then I get home, I'm like, you really did take over my social media. What's going on? Could you imagine for me if I would have just said I'm done? People would be like, oh, sorry, Jason. Sorry about your effort right? Like no matter what, I wasn't going to quit. If I had to walk, hobble across the finish line, I had to finish because there was someone waiting for me. And let me tell you, the, the running, the cycling, the, none of that matters. None, none of that matters at all, okay? It's just an illustration for me in my own particular journey of not quitting. And let me tell you for you, you have someone at the finish line, and it's not balloons. It's not the yellow banner that Boylston, on Boylston where you cross the finish line of the Boston Marathon. Good for you if you finish the marathon. Congratulations. But that's not what matters. Like the finish line matters because it's Jesus who's there. That's what matters. And my encouragement, my challenge to you is no matter what you're facing, you cannot give up. Have the tough conversation. Be courageous. Be resilient. If you don't have that grit, that resolve, because you don't know the finish line, and I get that's the problem here, gang. The problem is that we don't know our why, and we don't have a finish line. But when we understand our why, and then we have a finish line of seeing God one day, oh, that changes everything about the way you treat people. That changes everything about the way you raise your children. That changes everything about the way you operate in your workplace. That changes everything about the way you love people. The finish line is Jesus. When I was out there last Saturday, I thought about my physical finish line, and it helped me get there. But the spiritual is way, I mean, it, it, 
it even falls and it just pales in comparison. Because the physical is very temporary, all right? I know you think I'm crazy, but I think doing those types of challenges were fun, all right? But none of that matters. It's a hobby. None of that really matters. You know what does matter? Is your perseverance, your grit, your tenacity, your resolve. And if you feel like quitting, forgive yourself. Get back up. Keep going. There's a moment last week at mile 17. I was like, oh, nine miles to go. I need to stop thinking about how long this is because I've been out here a long time. Man, I wish I was home. Man, I wish I was home. Man, I wish I was home. And I know that you feel that way. I know you want to give up. I know you want to wish you were home and be finished and be done. That moment when I got to lay on the couch and literally fell asleep chewing pizza. First time in my life, fell asleep. Woke up, there's food in my mouth. You're that tired? I get it. But even if you're that tired, if you give up, not just you, but a lot of people feel that pain of your giving up. But you can't. But if you have the tenacity and the resolve to just keep the feet moving, seek help, right? If the physical, tangible things matter. If you're out there doing a race, you need some hydration. You need something. You need someone's help. I needed help last week. I needed people to be there. I needed people to watch after me. I needed people to, to give me food. And I, I needed help along the way. There's no way, no way you can finish without help. There's no way. It's impossible. Fix your eyes on Jesus. If you fix your eyes on Jesus, there will be help along the way. The last thing here in this behind focus on his face is this. Consider Jesus who endured and was victorious. This is the last thing. Hey, you're running the race. Don't give up. Focus on his face. Consider Jesus who endured and was victorious. Like, you need an example. And you know the best example? The best example? No other example matters? Jesus. Because Jesus endured the pain. You want to quit? Because it's painful. You want to give up? Because you've been hurt. You want to give up? Because, you know what? You should feel like giving up. There are things in life I want to quit on. There are people in life, let's just be real, I want to give up on. But you can't. And the author says, consider what Jesus did. Jesus loved the world. Not just some people in the world. Jesus loves the world. Jesus loves you. Jesus loved the people who killed him. Jesus loved the people who ridiculed him, who made fun of him, who put a crown of thorns on his head. And he didn't give up on them. And even on the cross, Jesus said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And the author here says, look at what Jesus put up with. Look at what Jesus endured. Look at the pain he endured. I don't care who you are, where you are, where you live, how much money you make or don't make, the quote success, whatever you define that is, pain is in your life. You can hide it, you can mask it, you can smile, but you got pain. And he says, consider Jesus who endured the pain. And Jesus was victorious. There was a season of pain for Jesus, there'll be a season of pain for you. Some of you that maybe know the story, you're like, I wish my pain lasted three days because Jesus endured the pain of the cross for those three days and he rose again victorious. But you know what? Jesus' pain lasted a lot longer than three days. Jesus' pain was the sin of the world that's been around since Adam and Eve. Jesus endured the pain and he was victorious. 
And if you stay focused on his face and you remember that he faced the pain and that Jesus endured and that Jesus is victorious, that you can too. You can cross the finish line one day and you can be victorious, but you can't give up. And when you cross that finish line one day and you hear, well done, good and faithful servant, oh, the pain, you'll forget about it. Pain is temporary. But the joy of finishing is eternal. And this is what Jesus did. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, one of, the, one of the greatest verses in the scripture because of who wrote it, the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. The Apostle Paul was a sinner. Do you remember I said thoughts, attitudes, actions that are not pleasing to a holy God? The Apostle Paul was guilty. The Apostle Paul killed people. The Apostle Paul made fun of. The Apostle Paul persecuted Christians on behalf of the state. The Apostle Paul got saved. He gave his life to Jesus. He had an encounter with God, which is why even you think about encounter church, we want you to encounter God. Paul encountered God, and he gave his life to him, and he said, now... Through Jesus, through his strength, I can do all things. I can do all things. And what I want you to say from home, what I want you to say where you're going through, maybe you're in the gym, I don't know if you've been listening in 30 to 45 minutes, maybe you listen on double speed. Some, some preachers I can put on double speed because they talk a little slower. Some I have to slow down because they talk a little fast, right? I don't know if I'm talking fast today. Whatever. You've been listening in for 30 minutes. Maybe you said a couple things out loud. Here's the last one. I want you to say this, where you are, say, I can, because of him. I can, because of him. And I, you don't have to change this in the back right now, but even as I say, because of him, I want to change it. I want to change it now to because of, let's put his name in there, Jesus. I can, because of Jesus. Because of what Jesus did, because of what Jesus endured, because of the race that he ran for you, you can too. I can because of him. I can because of Jesus. If you're interested in exploring faith, there's an amazing Bible verse that says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone, anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus can be saved. You can be saved from your struggle, you can be saved from your sin, and you can live a life of eternity with God forever in heaven. And we'd love as a church to help you walk through that, to explore faith. And so reach out to us at Encounter Church. Reach out to us and let us know what God is doing in your life. But no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you're facing, I know you want to quit. You want to quit something, but don't. Not yet. Keep persevering. Keep moving. Keep going. God is with you. You can because of Jesus.